Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. And welcome to Multifamily Investing Made Simple. This is the podcast where we take the complexity out of real estate investing so that you can take action today. Today, we're going to be talking about actually one of the most complex topics in all of investing. So to do it in under 10 minutes, we've really got our work cut out for us. Dan, let's talk about risk. What is risk? How do we define it? Oh, geez. This is getting deep really fast. Already. Right in the deep end. So I'd say risk is what's the potential downside in anything you're looking at? How much could you potentially lose on an investment or an endeavor? That's what I would say, at least for this discussion, is risk. Um, and there's there's got to be some because that's what you're getting paid for when you're investing. You're getting X return for taking on X risk. So there's got to be some kind of risk there in order for you to make some money because that's what you're getting paid for. So the question is, how do you quantify or identify the risk in a syndication opportunity that you're looking at? And how do you bump that up against uh, what your um, uh, investing parameters are and what your your risk tolerance is? It's a very subjective question. It's different for everybody. But I think with, with this little under 10-minute episode, if we can help you uh, look in the right places to identify the risk, then I think we've done our job. Yeah. And, and risk is such a hard topic because you could ask 10 different investors what what's risk to them. And they're going to define mm-hmm. it slightly differently and they're going to have different metrics for measuring it. And the problem is that there's not one standard way. So let's just, for our purposes here, like Dan said, lock into like what's the potential downside. And the way that I look at risk really comes down to there's, there's two types of risk. You have operational risk and you have kind of macro market risk. So the operational risk is if I'm investing $100 million and I give it all to my 12-year-old nephew, well, there's probably some big operational risk there. He probably doesn't know what he's doing, right? He's probably going to lose all my money. <laughs> maybe. So, I don't know. Yeah, he, might be, he might be really good. I don't know. He's been listening <laughs> to all our podcasts, so maybe he'd be really great. But the, the point there is like who you invest with and like what's the, the, the business plan they're planning on executing? Do they have the mm-hmm. capacity to actually execute it? And you would think that this wouldn't be that big of a question to try and answer, but it's actually, I would say, the primary risk you're going to encounter in a deal because everybody can put together a pro forma and underwrite with rejections and and acquiring properties is actually not all that difficult. It's when you start executing daily and, you know, that's when the money is actually made. And so if you're in bed with an operator who they, they sounded great at the beginning, they're really good marketers, they were really great at getting the deal locked down, but now the property is being operated, but it's not hitting the projections. Well, that's because you you took on some operational risk there. Mm-hmm. So I guess one of the key ways to identify an operational risk and uh, seeing if that's something that uh, you're exposed to is to look at what the business model or the business plan is 
for uh, this investment, the theoretical investment that you're looking at and saying, okay, is uh, what has this operator done before? Is this a, a business model or a business plan that this person or this group has implemented before? If so, how many times have they done it? And is there uh, a historical track record that I could look at? Or is this their first time doing this thing? Am I investing with a guy who's been doing multifamily for 10 years and now he's bringing a self-storage or a, a, a mobile home park or, or something else to the table? Right? That Even if it's a really great opportunity, you've got some operational risk there because you've got an operator doing something for the first time as opposed to um, getting into a deal with somebody who's doing something that they've been doing for the last 10 years over and over and over again. And they've got this track record of success with this very specific thing that they're doing. Another aspect to think about here is they might have a ton of experience executing this exact business model. That might not be the operational risk. What might be is maybe they've acquired, maybe they've grown like 10x in the last quarter and they've taken on like five new properties, a thousand new units. And so they're growing very, very quickly. So there's an operational risk there, which is as you grow really quickly, you start to feel the growing pains. And are, is this asset going to feel those those pangs? Are they going to be able to fold it in with the rest of the portfolio seamlessly? Or is it going to be bumpy because their focus is so split and the resources are so diminished because of all the growth? Mm-hmm. And these are things you can uncover just by asking a lot of questions. It's not going to be entirely clear if you're looking at an offering memorandum or or a deal package from an operator, whether or not they've grown exponentially and they might be struggling to get things done with this most recent acquisition. But through your questions, you can ask them, okay, what what is your track record been for the last five, 10 years? And you can start to look at at the acquisitions and say, okay, is there you know an, a, an exponential increase here? Have you guys taken on you know, 10 times more properties this year than you did the prior year? And if so, like, how do you guys manage, how do you plan to manage all this, uh, all this new inventory? And if they don't Mm -hmm. have a good answer, then you might have some risk there. Yep. And at the end of the day, it's all comes down to the answer. Maybe they Mm -hmm. made a key strategic partnership or alliance and now their team is, you know, tripled. So like, Mm -hmm. there's always a good, there can always be a good reason. It's just knowing what that reason is. Now, the other type of risk besides operational risk is macro market risk. And that is, the harder risk to, you can't, you can't predict it. You know, that, that's COVID level events and like what's going to happen in the market with rents and vacancies. Like we, we can project based off of trends, but it's very difficult to look too far into the future with any degree of certainty. So what are we looking for in particular when it comes to uh, projections and underwriting assumptions as it pertains to the market? There's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> um, I mean, one really easy one that any, a uh, passive investor can can pick out from an underwriting um, page on a uh, uh, a marketing package for a deal is um, what are their cap rate assumptions, right? Uh, is the operator, uh, do they have uh, some lofty assumptions about what the market's going to be doing over the next five years? Um, you know, the, for those of you that don't know, cap rates are inversely correlated to values. So a rising cap rate equates to a market that's getting softer. So if you're looking at somebody's package and they have the cap rate compressing uh, year after year for the next five, six years, you might want to ask, you know, what is your thesis? Uh, you know, how did you come to assume that the market's going to keep it getting incrementally better here? And and also, have you done sensitivity tests to see how this deal changes if maybe the cap rate stays flat or even goes up a little bit? Like, is your is your business plan predicated on the market continuing to improve? Uh, another one is interest rates. 
look at the debt that they have on the property. Um, is that is that in alignment with the the Fed speak that we're hearing from uh, from the Fed? Uh, we've been hearing that rates are going to be held quite low for at least the next two to three years here. Um, how does that align with the debt terms that your operator has? Do they have their rates fixed for one or two years or seven or 10 years, right? So trying to get your head wrapped around what kind of interest rate risks they have and also the cap rate assumptions. Those are probably two of the biggest ones I can think of right there. Um, uh, you no, know, I want to tie into this. Actually, when you mentioned the interest rates, another great one, a, a market risk is the the debt terms itself. You know, if it's a three-year term, then that presumes that it's going to be a really quick turn. Like what's going to happen in three years? So like as the term gets shorter, there's a little bit more risk associated mm-hmm. with that. You have to, you're hoping that the market stays somewhat similar in, in, a, in a shorter horizon. So you can't really, you don't have as much of a long runway to weather storms. So that's mm-hmm. something to keep in mind. Another aspect is let's think about rent growth and expense growth. And how do we model those out? Gen- generally in the last five, six years, we've been able to consistently model like 5% rent growth year over year and easily hit that. Is that such a fair assumption to make in a year coming off of COVID and you know vacancies maybe being a little bit higher than usual? I don't know. Again, it's all about the story that the operator can tell to justify why they're making their assumptions. But generally, we like to err on the side of assuming that the, the future, it's going to be worse than, than the present. And if the deal still works, given Armageddon-type situations playing out, then you probably have a pretty good deal on your hands. But if you have a deal that really just relies on everything going well and the future world being better than it currently is, that's honestly a lot of risk to take on. Yeah, yeah. I think that's... Um... It's great to be optimistic about the future, uh, but when it comes to investing, you've got to try to hedge some of that off somehow. So um, I'll also say that when it comes to looking at uh, pro forma projections that an operator is putting in front of you, um, make sure that that aligns with what you know about uh, the area that this deal is going down in. Because at the bottom, at the, at the end of the day, a lot of how uh, the multifamily asset class performs is predicated on uh, job Uh, job growth and population growth. And so just from a really high 50,000 foot macro level, uh, it's pretty clear uh, for just about every metro area out there, how strong their particular region is. And so what you want to be looking for is markets that have a diverse industry, uh, because then you you can hedge off that kind of Detroit style risk where, you know, if one industry has a rough period or completely collapses, that that's not going to drag down your uh, investment, right? You could have a really great property in a great area with a great operator. And if the industry in that prop- in that area uh, takes a hit, it has nothing to do with the operator or the deal or the multifamily space in general. Um, you were just, you just had too much of your, um, uh, you just had too much exposure to one industry. So you want to find areas that have a diverse industry. You also want to see population growth and you want to see job growth because as jobs are created, more people are going to come in. And as more people come in, that's going to cause rents to go up because of good old fashioned supply and demand. Everything in business at the end of it can come down to just supply demand. If you're on the right side of that curve, you're going to do well, most likely, regardless of your operational inefficiencies. And this is this is why most operators have done so well in the last decade. It's been a really rising tide where you know it's been hard not to make money just because there has been this limited supply and a high demand. And so don't don't mistake that because that's not always 
going to be the case. Don't assume it's going to play out that way in five years. So Mm -hmm. those are some of the big things to think about when it comes to risk. Honestly, you guys, we could spend another two hours easily on this topic, coming at it from all sorts of different angles. But for the purposes of a 10 minute episode, just to get you noodling on the concept, I think this is going to suffice. So thank you for joining us and we'll catch you guys next week. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.